We are here to raise a hallelujah for what God has done for us in the past, what he's doing for us today, and what he will do for us in the future. Amen? I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a
God, we raise a hallelujah. Whether we're in the valley or on the mountaintop, because you're our living hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. Sing it out, church. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness so through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Yes, it is. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Yes, he lives.
promise keeper, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness. So Lord, we just ask that you change our hearts, change our minds, Lord, and just change us. We ask this in Jesus' name.
Above all names, over 
says in Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So consequently, you're no longer foreigners or strangers. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Such powerful truth. Let's dwell on that as we sing this next song. Spirit of Jesus, living within us, never to fail or forsake. Unending inside us whispers the sound of your name Filled with his wonder, filled with his wonder, here I surrender, held in your mystery of grace, calling me closer, waking desire. 
Hey, good morning. Welcome to Camarillo Community Church, or CAMCC as we affectionately call it. Uh, we're so glad you're with us. My name is David Hurtado, one of the pastors around here. If you're watching online, welcome. I'm glad you're joining with us. If you're on the patio on this beautiful day, welcome. And if you're indoors, we're just glad that you're with us today. Uh, I don't know uh, if you guys have been watching. Obviously, uh, it's kind of depressing to watch the news. Anything that comes out of Ukraine is kind of a sad situation. I read an article this week. Horrible, horrible situation. Um, uh, I just wanted to remind you that we have a drop-down menu in our, um, uh, on our giving online that says Ukraine, and you can still give to Ukrainian efforts. Um, really, we have a couple of organizations that we support, one in Romania that is taking uh, Ukrainian refugees in and kind of feeding them and housing them while this crisis goes on. If you want to participate in with, that, with us, we would love for you to do that. Many of you have been doing that, and we've just continued to leave that drop-down there so that we can do that together. One little way that I wanted to highlight that we could use your help right now. We have an elder who is going, I believe on Tuesday to Romania to go kind of serve uh, at this uh, compound that houses several uh, families from Ukraine. Uh, we are looking for about 10 cell phones from the last two years. So really recent cell phones that you've already upgraded and you have laying around doing nothing, either an iPhone or an Android. <coughs> excuse me, that you can wipe clear, uh, reset, and unlock. Very clear, you have to, un it has to be cleared, reset, and unlocked. Uh, we'll take them over there, we'll put new SIM cards in them, and then we'll give people the ability to kind of talk to their families that are still in the Ukraine. Uh, these refugees need some phones. So if you have a phone, uh, smartphone, uh, iPhone or Androids, in the last two or three years, and they're wipe cleared, reset, and unlocked, we need them by 5 p.m. tomorrow evening. So you need to come by the church, drop them off, and we'll make sure to give that to our elder, Scott Packham, who's going to Romania uh, to serve these refugees, and we would love to be able to do that. We're looking for about 10. We really, I think if he does more than 10, they're gonna like accuse him of like, you know, smuggling. So <laughs> we, uh, we need those, and if you wanna participate in that with us, that'd be absolutely awesome. We would appreciate that greatly. Hey, listen, I'm excited about this morning. I, uh, I have an illustration that I've been waiting 10 years to use. Uh, and I've been just waiting for the right spot, and I was like, Lord, you give me the perfect situation. I'm not using it, even though it's a great story, until it works perfectly. And today's that morning, according to my records, I've never told this story before, and so I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, it was about 10 years ago that I was going to Dallas Theological Seminary. That's where I got my doctorate uh, from uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, or DTS, as uh, known for short. And I was in this program where you would go like three summers, two weeks in the summer, and then one week in the winter for two winters, and you do all that, write a paper, boom, and then they let you become a doctor. And so I was there, and I, first time in Texas, I heard a lot about Texas. Uh, everything's bigger in Texas, apparently, and it really is, it's true. Uh, but first time ever going to Texas for myself, so I fly in on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Monday morning, I have to hit the ground running and go to my first uh, classes in the summertime there, and so I needed a haircut. And I was like, this is perfect. I landed in Dallas. Uh, you know, got to, my, got to my room, and I was like, okay, I need to get a haircut for tomorrow. I'll be ready to go. And so I didn't have a rental car, which was a big mistake. I learned to change that uh, in future trips. But I, I need to find a haircut place that was right around the campus, and I got my smartphone, and I said, all right, haircut or barbershop. And sure enough, right around the corner from the school was a barbershop. Now, nothing could prepare me for what I was going to experience in that barbershop. Nothing. I mean, nothing in life could ever prepare you for this. I mean, it's like you, you walk outside the modern world, you walk inside, and it's like you've been, you've been like transported to another world. I walk in, and I see to my very right, there are some like these lawn chairs that look like they're five years too old to be in a garage sale. 
All right, and so I'm sitting there going, okay, that's where you sit. And then there's some dude walking around, stereotypical, this is true, with like no teeth, like one tooth. And he's like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what? This is a true story, I promise. I'm not fabricating. I'm like, all right, this is interesting. Dude doesn't talk. And, and, and then I put it together because he's walking around with shoes. He's the shoe guy. And so they take your shoes while you're getting your, while you're getting your barber, you know, you know, your hair, your, your, your mustache, whatever, figure it out. And he takes your shoes and he signs, he, he, like, he shines them for you in this little contraption that's like an old contraption with like he sits down and he has to pedal and, and it will shine your shoes or whatever. I'm like, well, I'm wearing sandals so you're out of luck. I, I'm not gonna, you know, use a shoe shine guy. But whatever, I just need a haircut. I don't care that the dude has no teeth and he can't talk. <laughs> whatever, I'm gonna go in. And so I'm going in, the guy is sitting there, the barber guy, and he's got the big chair, and he's got somebody in his chair. I'm like, well, I'm obviously gonna have to wait in the five-year-old, you know, too, too late uh, uh, lawn chairs. But, but then there's another guy, and he, he's like, oh, I'll take you, sir, right? And he's got like a little bit of Texas accent or whatever. And so I sit in the chair, and I'm like, this is great, okay, cool. Uh, and so he puts the, you know, thing around my neck or whatever, and he puts all that, and then he comes at me, and he's like, what number do you use? And I go, oh, I do number one on the sides, blend at the top, and spike on top, right? And he goes, okay, great. And he turned, so he got to, you know, the little, little shears. And he's like, all right. <laughs> he comes at my head like this. And then he goes like this. <laughs> the dude's got Tourette's. He's got like Tourette's and he's trying to cut my hair. I'm like, I, I know most people are like, this is a horrifying story. This is when you get out. I'm like, no way. This is a, I mean, I, you, can't, you can't buy this experience, right? And so Tourette's guy's like this and he was like this. And he's like trying to, try to cut my hair. And, uh, and the other guy's walking around. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then the, the guy who owns the place is like, don't nobody know what you're saying, man. I'm like, I'm losing it. This is awesome. So awesome. The very end of my haircut, the guy pulls out a hose, like a, a recoiled hose. It's a true story. And he starts, you know, that, like, like that, those hoses that are attached to like, um, uh, what, do they, what do they call those things? Uh, air compressor. And that's what he used to take the hair off my neck. Like, this is crazy. Absolutely nuts, right? And so he turns me around and look at the, the you know, I was like, jacked up my head. And, you know, and then I walk out of the thing and I call my wife and I go, Faith, you won't believe what happened. She goes, why didn't you walk out? I was like, you can't. It's the best $30 I ever spent in my life to have that story. It do, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I mentioned all that this morning because of the, the, the shoe shop guy. I mean, it's literally like you walk in outside of Texas and you walk into like a, a scene at the Beverly Hillbillies. You know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy, you know? And, and I got to experience all this for like 30 bucks. Um, anyway, I share all this because of the shoe guy. And, and, and I realized that, that, that no matter if he was actually speaking English or not, it doesn't matter if no one understands you. No, 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 You know, remind me of that guy from um, The Water Boy, the coach? That was him. I'm telling you, I met him in real life. Anyway, um, uh, anyway whether he's speaking English or not, it doesn't matter if no one understands you. And, and today our passage is about intelligible communications and how it's necessary in the worship gathering together. Which gifts provide the church with the real-time guidance and which gifts are, uh, serve the body the best? Which gifts of the Spirit build up the body the most and which ones should be highlighted? Which ministries or services, another way of saying gifts, ministry or service, should be prioritized and what's the deciding factor in that prioritization? We're gonna get to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses one through 19 today. I encourage you, if you have a Bible, open it up. If you have a, if you have a, a device, open it up with me as we dive in together. As you get there, the overarching question today is how should a church determine which gifts priori- 
to prioritize during the worship gathering. Which gifts, which ministries, which services, which abilities should be highlighted during the worship gathering? The first thing we're gonna see is we should strive for the gifts that build up. We'll see this in verses one through 12. Strive for the gifts that build up the body. Strive for the gifts that build up uh, uh, corporately everybody. That's the gifts, those are the gifts that we strive for, the ones that build up. Let's look at this together in verses one through 12. It says this, pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. The one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in his spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolidation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. The one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more that you'd prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, I come to you speaking in tongues. If I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation, knowledge, or prophecy, or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as a flute or a harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is being played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, and with your, uh, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. How should a church determine which gifts to prioritize during the worship gathering? Well, the first thing is you strive for the gifts that build up the whole, build up the entire whole, the body of Christ, the the collective of the, those who are gathered. Now, we've been in this little kind of sub-series in 1 Corinthians. If you're new to us, this is our rhythm. We pick a book and we go through verse by verse and we don't skip anything. Believe me, a lot of people skip this passage, but we don't skip it, we dive in. And, and we've been in chapter 12, 13, and 14. And in chapter 12, he brings up this idea that there are gifts out, and out there that when you become a believer in Christ, that God empowers you, enables you, gives you an ability, whatever you want to call it, supernatural even, he gives you an ability to bring to the whole. You're gonna bring something into the fold. You have, a, you have a, a part in this body. There's something that you do to make us a body. Uh, now, I might be up here as the vocal piece of the church, and there's people here who are the toe, the hand, all these different things are going on. Everybody's equal in Christ, even though we have different responsibilities, different giftings, different services, different ministries. Everybody brings their a uh, little niche into the fold, chapter 12. Chapter 13, remember that it's all in love, guys. Remember that we do nothing for ourselves. It's never about ourselves, it's always about love. And so we're gonna highlight the gifts that are most loving for the community, all right? And then now chapter 14, he's gonna kinda do this thing of, uh, if we were to choose between tongues and prophecy, what would we choose? 
These, these, these gifts here, thank you, somebody's in it. These gifts are, you know, how do we evaluate these things? Now, it's very particular that he's doing this because we've talked about this already, that they in Corinth really valued the gift of tongues. And it was something about the, the ability to speak in another language. Now, some say that would be an earthly language, and some say that that would be an angelic language, and we'll get to that later today as well. But there's something about an out-of-body experience where I'm speaking a language that I don't know, that I never learned, that feels really like an ecstasy is happening. And they were doing that so much that there was, it brought a lot of commotion into, this, into, the, uh, into the, the gathering. Can you imagine if everybody in this room right now is speaking a different language? What, you might feel amazing because God is using you in this certain gifting, personal edification for sure. But as for, as for the body being edified, I'm not sure what would actually happen, what's happening. And that's Paul's argument. Uh, I, you know, that, that when, when we do this, the body itself isn't being edified together. And so we see in chapter 12, introduction to gifts, chapter 13, uh, everything should be done in love. And now as a byproduct of that, which one do you choose, tongues or prophecy? And of course, Paul's gonna say you choose prophecy. He says, I, I want you to eagerly pursue love. That's, a, that's a, 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 an imperative in the Greek. It's a second person imperative, meaning you collectively eagerly pursue love. That was chapter 13. I want you to make sure that's the foundation of everything we say there. And in, in that, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Another imperative. I want you to earnestly desire collectively the spiritual gifts, but preferably that you might desire the one that would be best for the community, which would be prophecy. I want you to desire this. If you're gonna choose, between tongues and prophecy, choose prophecy is what he's saying. I want you to choose prophecy, prioritize it. Now this makes a lot of sense if you've been tracking with us in this series. Now, 1 Corinthians is one of the first books in the New Testament to be written. What does that mean? There's not a lot of written down guidance yet from God. Now we have a lot more scripture than they even had at the time that 1 Corinthians was, uh, was given to them. They don't have the gospels yet, they're not written down yet. There's not a lot of guidance. And so you need present day guidance like you would never before because the Jews are becoming this thing called Christians and then Gentiles can come in too. And what is this new religion we're making? And how do we move forward? And do we eat with them? And do we talk with them? And all these rules that we used to have aren't anymore. And so what do we do? We need present day guidance. And we would see this in the book of Acts. We would see that, hey, there's a famine coming to town. Here's how you respond. Hey, when you go into that city, you're gonna be persecuted, but still go anyway. You know, you'd see these kind of prophetic super natural uh, foretelling of the future or present day revelation. This is a word for you right now. They needed it. Uh, and Paul says, I want you to prioritize that over this ecstatic, uh, this, this, this feeling of ecstasy of being speaking another language where you don't know what you're saying. And nobody knows what you're saying. Prefer to get a direct word from the Lord. And if you're going to choose between the two, prefer the one that will you get a direct word from the Lord. Now, all right, we're gonna go 700 level truth here. So um, for those of you guys who've already read a lot about this and, uh, and really know that there, in the last mm, 20 years, there's been a popular notion that New Testament prophecy is different than Old Testament prophecy. Old Testament prophecy was infallible. New Testament prophecy is fallible. I just let you know I reject all that. I reject all that. There's lots of reasons why. If you want to talk to me in the patio, we'll talk about that together. But the, not, not, not in small part, but if, if New Testament prophecy is fallible, then how could you ever 
uh, um, uh, uh, ask somebody to leave your church for a false prophecy if prophecy was fallible. Put that in your pipe, smoke it. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, so he says, when it comes to tongues and uh, tongues edify, prophecy, uh, while tongues edifies yourself, your own personal being, prophecy will edify the entire church. And the principle seems to be laid out here that while personal edification and exhilaration come from the exercise of your gifting, believe me, uh, when I'm up here using my gift for God, it feels great, feels wonderful. Even though that is true, it shouldn't necessarily be the main reason why you exercise the gift. Now, I don't know what your gift is, but put that in your mind. Uh, Just because I feel exhilarating and just because it's wonderful to be used by God doesn't mean that should be the reason why I use the gift. There's a a higher motivation of that. And the higher motivation is what builds up the body. What builds up the body? It's not about you, all right? One of my biggest fears, we'll get to later, is that somehow this becomes about me at some point. It's never been about that. It's always been about how does my gifting promote body life? How does my gifting promote the betterment of the entire body to grow together? So he says to them, it's not like he's poo pooing uh, um, uh, tongues, because he says, No, I wish that you all speak in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy because it builds up the body. Then he gives kind of three illustrations of intelligibility. Uh, the first one is about instrumentation, it's very simple. Uh, you could take a pipe and you can drill holes in it, but it doesn't mean you have a flute. Uh, if you don't drill those holes in the right spot and whatnot, you know, you're not going to get the sound of a flute. And you won't know what instrument it is until you hear that sound. Every instrument has a distinct sound. And so therefore, you know the sound when you hear it, and that's how you know it's an instrument. My favorite instrument in the world, believe it or not, it's going to sound so weird, but I love the oboe. Anybody play the oboe? It's like a clarinet meets a saxophone or something. It has a very distinct sound, and uh, I'm, nobody in here likes the oboe. Do you guys even know what an oboe is? Forget it. I'm not going to give you the illustration then. Anyway, and so uh, the next one is about a bugle. It's basically a trumpet, and, and the idea is, uh, you know, you've seen this in movies before, I'm sure. You know, you hear dun 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 and that, they would actually, um, um, wartime formations were based on this trumpet, and very distinct sounds would, would, would give the, your, your, your entire army, uh, you know, formations. It's time to retreat. It's time to, 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 to fall back. It's time to encamp. It's time to oh, be, beware of the ambush or, or pursue here or battle formations. All these things are based on that sound of the trumpet. And everybody would know what they're going to do based on what the trumpet said to do. Well, if you don't have a distinct sound, you don't know what to do. Then he goes into foreign languages in the same way the opening illustration uh, you know, uh, every language has a distinct, but if you don't know what, what's being said, then you're just speaking into the air. He's going out of his way to make the case for, I know you're zealous for spiritual gifts, but I wish you'd be zealous for the ones that promote the whole body life of the church. I wish you'd be zealous for the ones that, 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 that help the body grow in Christ, not just make you feel the ecstasy of being used by God. And I'm telling you, there's something in that for all of us. I, again, I don't know your gifting, but just think to yourself, what gift do I have and why do I use it? What's the purpose behind me using it? And if it comes back to me, then it might be a little out of balance. Because that's not what he says should be the highlight. How should we determine which gifts to prioritize during the gathering? Well, first, we should strive after the ones that give up, that build up. And secondly, we should strive for the gifts that communicate to all. We should strive for the gifts that communicate to everybody so that nobody misses out. Let's look at verses 13 through 19 together. It says this. Therefore, 
One who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in my tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray in my spirit, but I will pray in my mind as well. I'll pray pay intelligently as well is the idea. I will, pray, I will sing praise in my spirit and my spiritual gift, and I will also sing praise with my mind also so I can know what's going on. Otherwise, you give thanks with your spirit. You, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of the outsider say amen to, what you're, uh, to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may, be willing, you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. How should the church determine which gifts to prioritize during the worship gathering? Well, we should strive for the ones that communicate to all. Now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through a little bit of like a biblical theology of tongues and describe what it is. I think this is gonna be very important because depending on your background and depending on your upbringing and depending on what what kind of context you learn this in, you probably have certain notions about what tongues is and isn't. But I'm just gonna go through the scriptures together and we'll just see what it is, all right? So according to Acts chapter two, this is a biblical precedent for tongues. Acts chapter two, the spirit of God comes down upon his people in such a way that they are able to speak and proclaim Christ in other languages. Remember when Christ was on the earth, he tells them, you want me to leave because when I leave, the spirit of God's gonna come. When the spirit of God comes, you're gonna do miraculous things. Uh, I, what is said in Joel two happens in Acts chapter two, it's fulfilled in Acts chapter two, and all of a sudden his disciples are out there speaking and they're speaking in other languages now. We know this because the people who are watching coming from other areas are going, wow, these guys must be drunk. They're speaking in my language and they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this leads many to believe that the precedent for tongues is that you speak in another known earthly language even though you don't know what it is. And the purpose of it is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to Acts 2, they were able to speak in other languages they didn't know, and they proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who didn't know Christ. And so some people think, there it is. That's all it is. It's known languages that we didn't know so we can proclaim the gospel of Christ. Well, let's keep on going. Acts chapter 10 and chapter 19, the Spirit of God comes upon the Gentiles in the very same way he came upon the Jews in Acts 2. Now, this is really important. Because you gotta remember, like, wait a second, we're Jews and we're God's people, and okay, we, we buy into Christ as our Messiah, but the Gentiles, like the Gentiles, they get to play too? And, and basically this becomes, here, it's a sign of divine validation, not just proclamation. Where in Acts chapter two is proclamation, gospel in other languages so people can come to know Christ. In Acts chapter 10 and 19, it's, wait a second, no, God's now using this as a sign to tell the Jews that yes, I'm playing nice with the Gentiles too. And, and this new religion, this new faith system called Christianity is gonna involve, involve both Jew and Gentile together. It becomes not only proclamation, but tongues is used here as a validation for those who know Christ even though they're Gentiles. We'll keep on going. And then now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We'll see in verse two and in and verses 14 and 15, the Spirit of God comes on believers in such a way that they can pray in either, it's either unknown earthly languages, I didn't know it in the natural, I didn't grow up learning Chinese, but all of a sudden I can speak Chinese. Uh, or it's an angelic heavenly language. 
Okay, this is the great debate. Now, if you weren't here two weeks ago, we went through cessation and we went through continuation. I encourage you to go back and watch that message there. But uh, what is it? Is it an earthly language? Is it an angelic language? Well, this is where it becomes really difficult. If I take you back to uh, verse two in chapter 14, it says, for one who speaks in the tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. He utters mysteries in his spirit. Well, gosh, that sounds like it could be an angelic language, if I would be honest with you. If I just take the text for what it says, that could be, or it could be an, another known uh, uh, language on the earth that, that, that I didn't know. It could be both. But man, uh, he utters mysteries in his spirit. He speaks not to men, but to God. Man, you certainly could make a case. Uh, verse 14 and 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Well, this is, seems to be the, what I understand from the experience of charismatics and brothers and sisters in Christ who say, you know what? I, I, my mind is, I, I, I just know I'm speaking this language. I don't know if it's a heavenly language. And I'm just speaking to God. What do I do? I'll pray with my spirit and I'll also pray with my mind. He says, you know what? I'm going to do both. He says, I'm going to do a both and approach here. I mean, in private, I'll pray in the spirit to God. In, in, in the gathering together, I'll pray with my mind so everybody can understand. It seems to be what he's saying. He's going out of his way to, to say that there's a both and approach there, but is it an earthly uh, language uh, uh, that I didn't know or is it an angelic language? And this is where I'll get people upset at me. I don't know, I don't know. I can't tell you, in fact, I certainly would defer to those who have that gifting. I've told you I don't have that gifting and I defer to the experience for sure. But I can tell you, biblically speaking, I can't rule out that it's not a, a, an angelic heavenly language. I can't do it. I, I have two, I, I, chapter 14, it just seems to indicate that it's a possibility. And then I got a lot of great friends who, who seem to indicate that that's exactly what's going on. So I don't know. And people get mad at me. No, you should just say it's a known language, and that way, you know, we can take this thing out and nobody, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't do it with the scriptures. I can't. So I get one side upset with me because I won't call it a known language. In fact, I was uh, trained, and this is how I was trained. It's a known language, and so therefore, if you're speaking gibberish, you're not doing the right thing. If you're spe speaking an angelic language, you're not doing the right thing. It's a known language. I don't know. I, I look at, okay, let me, let me do this. There is a, a principle of interpretation. Uh, it's called, uh, hermeneutics is the, is, the, is the term for that. There's a t principle of interpretation. There's several of them, but one of them is, the simplest reading is generally the best understanding. It's one of the rules of interpreting the Bible. How do I get truth out of the Bible? The simplest reading is generally the best understanding. When I have to take the Bible and I have to start, you know, like juggling with it, then that's probably a good sign that you're heading in the wrong direction. The simplest reading is generally the best understanding. When I read the scripture and I read verse two and I read verse 14 and 15, the simplest reading is, hey, he doesn't know what he's saying. He's uttering mysteries in his mind. It sounds like it may be an angelic language. And I get my conservative friends all in a tizzy because I'll say what it sounds like. And then I got these other charismatic great friends who are like, hey, I got my prayer language, I'm good. And I wanna say, well, okay, what about the body? It's almost like we got like a, a Christian agnostics thing going on. Like, well, me and God are good. You know, I got my prayer language. And I go in the morning and I pray. I don't need to go to church. Really? What about the body? And so I get both sides upset at me. Wait, wait, wait. This whole thing, there's a reason that we are all here. There's a reason why we have a gift. There's a reason to glorify God. There's a reason to build up the body. And I, well, I, I'm, you know, I say I wave at God every once every six weeks. Really? seems to be, biblically speaking, 
more to it than just that. Finally, uh, number four, I forgot to do this one. Uh, chapter 14, verse 21, we'll see this next week. Uh, God speaks through, uh, through those with, uh, sorry, my glasses, uh, through those with strange tongues on the lips of foreigners. He actually quotes Isaiah 28, and tongues there actually becomes a judgment. And we'll talk about that next week and go, but that's kind of a biblical idea. The idea. So it's not as cut and dry as I was taught it was, you know what I mean? It's just language. It's, I don't know. It seems like 1 Corinthians 14 seems otherwise. Certainly it was used in Acts chapter 10 and chapter 19 in a way to validate non-believers, even Gentiles, into the fold. And then it's even used as a judgment. We'll see that next week if you come back together. It says, I want you to prioritize what is intelligible over the unintelligible. My mind when I pray in tongues is unfruitful. Literally the idea is it's not resulting in meaningful conscious reasoning or thinking when I'm doing that. And so I'm not gonna do that in the gathering in the setting of the believers because nobody would be edified in that. Um, uh, But Paul does indicate like a both-and approach. But when I'm in private, I will do that. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm just saying I'm not doing it in the gathering collectively, a both-and approach. It seems like what he's indicating there. And and then finally he says, if you do this in the setting, uh, in the the corporate gathering, how is anybody able to say amen if they don't understand what you're saying? You know what I love about that is um, the idea of amen, an audible amen was like an audible affirmation or or endorsement of what is being said. That goes back all the way to the first century synagogue where people go, yep, amen, I agree. Isn't that awesome? It's in your Bible. It's not just like something that, you know, people had started doing like in 1500, you know, and I'm not going to do it just because they do it. No, it's in your Bible. Like uh, people will give an audible amen when something was written that they agree with. It just means I agree. Let it be so. Yes. Right? I'm just saying it's pretty lonely up here sometimes. I went to some churches where they wouldn't land the plane unless you guys started saying amen. And everybody's like, man, I'm hungry. And they just start, amen, amen. And just keep on. Because you're like, man, we're going to get to lunch. I'm not like that. But I'm just saying, it does get lonely sometimes. All right, anyway. And then, and then uh, uh, finally, he ends the whole thing by saying, I'd, or, I'd rather speak five natural words than, than, than 10,000 supernatural words. Now, that's really eye-opening when you, when you, when you, when you kind of take that in. I'd rather speak five words in the natural than 10,000 words in the supernatural. He is using an extreme to make his point. You guys are so into this whole other language and you feel the ecstasy of being involved in it. But I'm just telling you, I'd rather speak five words in the natural than 10,000 words in that supernatural language. Now, 10,000 words, it's the largest number that you can express in Greek. It's basically the idea of innumerable. It'd be equivalent to our word of infinity. I'd rather speak five words in the natural than an infinite number of words, an infinitude number of words. The word is myriad. It's where we get our word myriad. I I would rather speak intelligibly in the corporate gathering than ever bring confusion onto the corporate gathering is what he's saying. We prioritize the natural because it edifies and it's intelligible to all. So, uh, real quickly, um, will we ever see tongues in our main gatherings? You know, there's some people, believe me, in our church right now, people who have a prayer closet, praying tongues, praise God, go for it, uh, uh, do your thing. Will we ever see it in our corporate gatherings together? Probably not. Uh, first, because it's not our tradition. And second, because it seems to be contrary to the scriptures. He's, he's, he's saying, don't do that if it's not going to be understood by everybody, unless you have an interpreter. And we'll get into some of that in the weeks to come too. 
Uh, but if you pray in tongues and, and you have a prayer closet, go for it. Nobody's making you feel bad about that. To the glory of God. I don't want to say just because I haven't experienced it myself that it's not legitimate for you. And it seems to be one of the gifts. And we talked about in chapter 12, not everybody gets every gift. I didn't get that one. I got a teaching gift and I function in that gift. I'm not going to rail you for a gift that I don't have. If you feel like you have the gift of prophecy and you want to give somebody a word from God and you want to do it one-on-one, praise God, go for it. People have come at me before, Pastor, I got a word for you. Great. I always try to take that with reverence and go, okay, Lord, if you want to talk to me, you know what's going on there? You know, I, that, that, go for it. But as for our setting and our, and our corporate gathering, we're not going to be doing that. We're not going to be doing that. Uh, it doesn't seem to be full one-to-one in line with the scriptures to do that, so we won't do that. The overarching theme in the passage seems to be deference to the whole. What gift is the best to edify the whole body when it gathers and then run towards those? And see, the Corinthians seem to be struggling with the gifts that highlighted themselves over the gifts that highlighted the entire body. Well, I want that one, Paul, because that one makes me look good. And the, and the lights shine on me when I do that one. And he's like, wait, shouldn't it be like motivationally it's something different? Shouldn't you want to, shouldn't you want the gift that's going to make the whole better? Like everybody grows, not just about you. And it really kind of brings us to the big idea. When your gifting is more about you than it is about the body, then you are out of balance. When your gifting is more about you, your, your gifting, your ministry, your, 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 your ability, divine ability, whatever you want to call that. Your assignment from God, when it becomes more about you than about the body, then you're out of balance. You're out of balance. And that was the problem with Corinth. This one makes me feel good. And this one, people look at me and go, wow, and I want that one. It's out of balance. I said earlier, one of the biggest fears for me is that, that one day this will become more about me than what I would originally like. When I, when I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, I just wanted to learn the scriptures. I just want to learn the, the languages so I, could, so I could highlight what the word is saying so, so God could use it and people would grow together and people, their lives would change and that's what it was always about. And if somewhere along the way this becomes about me and the lights are on me and I'm on TV and, and people are watching how many clicks and how many social medias and I wrote a book and I want to speak and, and, and if it becomes about that at some point, that's like my biggest fear to where I'm more concerned about how many people are in the seats than, than teaching his word. Because when that's the case, and all of a sudden you start going, oh, they don't want to hear that. I think I'll just skip past that chapter. Let's go to this one. Ooh, that one's encouraging. People will like me if I say that. I love my current state. I don't care if I upset you or not, if I have a verse. You know, I can't go to your church anymore because you believe the Bible. Okay, got it. When this becomes, whatever your gifting is, when it becomes more about you than, than building up the body, then you're out of balance. Building up the body has to be the number one, the number one motivation. You gotta ask yourself. I mean, let me just ask you right now. What is your gifting? What is your assignment? What is your responsibility? What is your service to the church? And why do you do it? If the me's start coming up in the definition as to why you do it, then you're out of balance. The answer has to be because I want God to use it to grow and edify and build up the body of believers. Well, let me see if I can uh, share this in a way that we can all get our hands around. Uh, it's about 1987, I believe, when the, this movie came out. It's called Can't Buy Me Love. You ever see it? It's a great movie. It's about this kid who's a nerd who, like, you know, wishes he wasn't a nerd. He wanted to be popular. I know it's hard for some of us to relate. And... Uh, 
and he decides that he can buy his way into uh, popularity. This girl, she had used her mom's dress and she got it dirty at a party and she went back to the store and he meets, sees her at the mall and he's, she's arguing with the store owner. Please return it, please return it. My mom will get mad at me, blah, blah, blah. The guy won't return it. It's a thousand dollar dress. And then finally he says, you know what I'll do? I'll pay you a thousand dollars. You can get the new dress, go to your mom. She'll never know that you messed up her dress, but you have to pretend to be my girlfriend for a month or two or something like that. They had some kind of agreement. And when you become my girlfriend, then I'll become the most popular kid in school. Two things he wanted. He wanted the prettiest girl in school to, to give him attention, to know who he was, and, and to like him. And the second thing he wanted was to be popular. She goes, it's not going to work, but whatever. I don't have a choice. So she, she you know, he pays $1,000, uh, and, 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 and she becomes his girlfriend for a month or two, whatever it is. Well, during that month or two, he becomes the popular, most popular kid in school. It works. And she can't believe it. He can't believe it. And along the way, as he's getting to know her, she actually becomes rather smitten with him and enjoys him, enjoys his company. She enjoys the real him, the, the, the him who he really is. But he can't see that. In fact, he, he's so far past that now, his number one was the girl, the prettiest girl in school that knows his name and gives him attention. He's on number two big time now, which is like, I am the stuff. Everybody knows who I am, I'm Mr. Popular. Uh, there are girls lining up who wanna hang out with me. Uh, of course, the, you know, long story short, you know, the, the secret gets out, it's all a farce, the whole thing was fake. And of course, he's back down the bottom, he's humble, and he's lamenting to himself the whole time, going, you know what? I had what I wanted the whole time. He looks at her and he says, I had what I wanted the whole time. You actually decided, you actually, in hanging out with me, liked me, but I couldn't get past the idea of how big my ego had gotten. And that became more important to me than anything else, when what I really wanted was right there the whole time. And I wonder if that's the way it works with our gifting as well. Like we start out with great motivation, want to glorify God. But if we aren't careful, it can unleash a monster. And you realize you fly past what you wanted the whole time. And somehow you end up in some world that you never wanted to be. When your gifting is more about you than it is about the body, then you're out of balance. Again, it's one of my biggest fears. I read books, I, I listen to podcasts because I'm so scared of the narcissism that comes with the stage. We've seen too many pastors fall. Pray for me, I'm a human being. Pray for me that I would not go in that direction. And I just said, Lord, if I just, if I could just keep that gumption to preach this word and if people walk out saying, I don't want part of that because he preached the word, amen. That's what I wanna be. It sounds horrible, it sounds so weird. I wanna be more scared of you than I am to any human being to walk in this place. And say, you know what, I'm doing this for you and preaching your word and I'll die for it. There's people dying for it right now across this world. And we're measuring how many clicks we get on the internet. What did it start for you? And has it led you to a place that you never thought you'd lead? Usually the motivation at the beginning is so good. But sometimes you get going down a road and it veers off in another direction. Pray for me as I pray for you that that wouldn't happen. Bow your heads, let's pray. Father, I think we're all here because we love you. We have some kind of a sense that we want you in our lives. For sure, that's why we came this morning. And at the same time, there are these truths in scriptures that man, they, they open us up. They, they're wounds, they're deep sometimes. And you reach down into our soul and you whisper, why are you doing what you're doing? What's your motivation on what you're doing? I know what your motivation used to be. What is it today?
Father, I pray that my motivation is the same. I pray that all of our motivation is the same, that we would want to edify the body of Christ, that we would want to glorify your name, that we would want to live for you, that not ridden, we're not living life for the, 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 uh, the initials at the end of our name, in front of our name, for the things on our resume, for, for anything else, but for you, for you, for you. Help us as we get sidetracked on that sometimes, and it becomes something other than just for you. Pass it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor David. Way to take a difficult passage and break it down into what really God wants for us to know. Thank you for that. My name is Jim Moyer. I'm one of the pastors here at KMCC. I'm just uh, here to say welcome to many of you that are newer with us. Um, you may be just checking out our church, checking out who Jesus is. Maybe you have a question about why would the God of the universe, creator of the universe, care about me? In, in other words, you're, you're on your spiritual journey. You're trying to figure out where your place is in, in uh, God's kingdom. So... Um, what I want to tell you is that you're in a great place. We're glad that you're here. If you're here inside the building or on the patio, uh, we're thankful that you came and joined us this morning. If you're at, uh, at home watching online, thank you for joining us also. So Jesus makes this invitation. He says, come, follow me. And if we will do that, he gives us meaning and purpose in our life. But even more than that, he invites us into his family have this reconciliation with the Father. And so if that's you this morning, if you've come to that point where you're ready to do that, where you want to give up on this world and, and uh, take God at his word and become part of the family, I just want to say uh, today is a great day to do that. And, and if you've done that, welcome to the family. If you're somewhere on that journey or you've actually made that uh, step, would you let us know? It would be an honor to be part of your journey, to walk alongside of you, to help you, and to um, be part of your growth in, in Christ. So if you're here on campus, would you go to the Welcome Center in the lobby? Let us know. Again, it would truly be an honor to, to be a part of that process. If you're online, uh, go to campcc.net, and you can let us know by clicking on Next Steps. And um, both uh, cases will let you know your next step. So we'd love to, to have you do that. So one of the things also right now that we're doing is um, we're worshiping. We're continuing this worship in a, a way that we give back to God a portion of what he's given to us. God is such a generous God, and he wants a generous people. And we can honor him, and we can worship him by giving back to him for the mission that he's given this church. So if you'd like to do that, you'll see the uh, ways to do that up on the screen, uh, that today is a good day for you to do that. Um, just would uh, say, uh, jump right in with both feet. So let me pray on that. Lord, uh, thank you for today. Thanks for this uh, time we've had with you in this house. Would you just take our gifts? Would you use them? Would you multiply the ministries here? to make a difference in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 
One of the things that David talked about is this smartphone uh, that would go to Romania for the Ukrainian refugees. Uh, if you can do that, we need that today or tomorrow. And uh, Tuesday, they'll be uh, heading over to Romania. So uh, just a reminder to do that. We'll have a box outside the office and a box outside the uh, main entrance uh, today and tomorrow. You can drop off those phones. So um, also, we have a lot of things coming up here at Camarillo Community Church. Uh, would you just pay attention to what's on the screen and you'll see what's happening. Hey CamCC, I'm Cassidy Mathis, volunteer leader at the Young Adult Group here at CamCC. Anyone from college to 30 years old should come check us out on Tuesdays, 7 to 9 p.m. in the Activity Center. For more info, go to our Insta, youngadult.camcc, or visit camcc.net slash youngadult. If you're a first, second, or third time guest, welcome. We have gifts for you and we want to put a face to the name. So please go to the welcome counter in the lobby with your connection card, or if you're watching online, go to campcc.net slash next steps. Check out what's coming up. Thursday, April 21st, Pathway Class. Join us for six weeks as you take your spiritual journey to the next level. Hear from our team of staff and elders providing tools to deepen your relationship with God and learn more about CampCC. Space is limited though, so sign up to reserve your spot today by going to the growth group page on campcc.net or contact Jim Moyer at campcc.net for more info. Pivotal Hope, Saturday, April 30th, 10 a.m. to noon, women's tea and brunch. Join us for worship, fellowship, and some cozy dishes and drinks. The tickets are $10 and can be purchased online or on the patio. For more info, email allison at campcc.net or go to campcc.net slash women. Wednesday, May 4th, 6.45 to 9.15 p.m., High School Spring Formal Dance. The biggest dance of the year put on at our church. Show off your moves and it'll be bigger and better than last year, if that's possible. For more info, contact Zach at campcc.net or visit campcc.net slash formal. Sunday, May 8th, Mother's Day and Child Dedications. If you have a child from birth to third grade, this is the time for our church family to meet and pray over your child and family as you publicly make the decision to lead them to follow Jesus. To sign up, contact Elaine at campcc.net or visit campcc.net slash dedication. May 27th to the 30th is Family Camp, Sage Hills in Santa Barbara. Enjoy hiking, fishing, and family games. Also enjoy a Saturday potluck dinner followed by a weekend gathering. Reserve your spot today at campcc.net. Important dates coming up, make sure and save the date and check out the upcoming events at campcc.net. High School Friathon Camp is June 19th to the 24th, and Middle School Catalina Trip is August 5th to the 8th. To stay in the loop of what's going on at CanCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information on any of these events, please go to cancc.net. A lot of great stuff going on in our church. Um, would you guys stand as we prepare for the send-off? You know, um, great sermon. I was super challenged to ensure that my pretty public gifting doesn't become about me. And my question to you would be, what's your gift? What's your gift? And how, could, how can you use it to edify the body and glorify God? Um, well, remember, guys, if it's your first, second, or third time here, uh, we would like to invite you to come to the welcome counter in the back. We want to meet you. Uh, we got some gifts for you. Um, if you're watching online, please go to campcc.net forward slash next steps and fill out that card there. Um, the smartphones, if you got them, we'd love to have them and use them.
for uh, the purposes there. Thank you so much for uh, remembering that as well. And then uh, lastly, um, before you leave, I'd like to challenge you, encourage you to think of someone that you know that you could invite with you next week. All right? Y'all take care. Have a great week.